Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So we'll be looking at relationships. And um, when I first started dating Shelley uh, years ago, uh, I used to talk with her dad. And he'd, just, he'd become a Christian so five years before that, but he was never, he was an atheist, he was a communist, and he hated Christianity or anything to do with faith. He thought it was for fairy cakes. And uh, when Shelley and her mum became Christians on the same night on a girl guide camp in two different fields, the first thing her mother said to her was, do not tell your dad, he'll go berserk. And they went home and Shelley can't keep good news to herself and she is not easily intimidated by anybody. <laughs> I know. Whenever we have an argument, and I can feel one brewing, I just say, let's wrestle. <laughs> so um, the dad found out, so the first thing he did was go around to the chapel, just around the corner, they, they live around the corner from the chapel, and because uh, somebody else was influencing his family, and he didn't like that, and he wanted to know what the influence was. I wish more dads were like that. Who's influencing your sons and your daughters? And I'm not one of them parents that goes, well, he's a trendy guy, is he? You know, oh, every, all my mates think he's amazing or whatever. It's just like, but what's his influence on, on my sons? That was, that was, that's all I was interested in because I don't care how trendy he is. And so, um, so he went round and within three weeks he became a Christian. And then he became a leader in the church and a very outspoken man. He's been in his community and everything. Uh, it'd be an amazing fellow, but this is what he said to me. He says, Dave, I've realized that 85% of life is all about relationships because that's what he'd given himself to, bringing up his kids. When they wanted to learn to swim, he became a swimming instructor. When they wanted to go camping, he became a Cub Scout and, and he's, he forced Sue to become a girl guide leader type thing that wherever they were, Shelley said, we could not get rid of them. And uh, he were on it because he loved his kids. He loved his family, loved his sister and his brothers, and uh, didn't always have great relationships with his brothers, but he still went for it to, to, to have relationship. And when you've given your life so much to something like that, you, you, you start to get wisdom about life, even if you're not a Christian, because God gives wisdom to people that are not Christians. Have you ever known that? You're not that convinced. I keep trying to break the bubble of, we've got it, you out there need it, and you've got to come to us to get it. And so often that's the truth. We carry the truth of the gospel. But here's the thing. So often they work at their lives and their lifestyles far more than we do. And we think that we can tell somebody who's really worked at their relationship or worked at their business and we've worked at Jack. And we're like saying, well, you need Jesus, don't you? Almost like you've been Solomon. And I want to get rid of that and just say, no, people out there, we can learn. Every day should be a learning day. And that's not just a quote. Every day can be a learning day. Anyway, we are formed for God's family. And uh, I'm looking at what matters most. So let me read to you again that verse from 1 Corinthians. It says this, If I give everything I own to the poor, and if you notice my accent, I'm not from around here. <laughs> Even in Tanzania, they go, poor, poor. And I says, oh, you understand the American, poor. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, there we go. So if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. 
Love never gives up. We fight for it. We fight for relationship. Love never gives up. P.S. If the other person gives up, there's not a lot you can do. If you keep fighting, keep fighting. But if they've given up, there's not a lot you can do. Just saying. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a, a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep a score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best. There's one for me. <laughs> always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Did anyone get an ouch in there like me? It's good, isn't it? That's why it's good to come to church every week because we drift in our thinking and we tell ourselves all sorts of stories. When you come back to God's word that doesn't go up or down, it's just like that. And it's God's mind in the Bible. We've got what God thinks about 95% of life. And so when you read the Bible, you can get his wisdom on life. So there we go. That's what love is. Can I just sum this up very, very easily for us? Because love is really about the other. It's about having a motive and a strength on the inside about loving the others. It's just not self-seeking. And somehow you ladies get it more than us men. Generally speaking, you do. And, and, and having babies is one of the best things, I think, for any human being. I mean, you women, obviously, you're the ones that give birth. You know, we, we, I know we live in an equal society. I always point out that it's not that very equal uh, because we don't get chance to have babies. So it's good to come to truth, and we know that there's some truth here. But honestly, it changes your life because here you've got the most selfish little creature that you've got to look after, and it pulls something out of you. Not NB, no. Remember this. No ringy, no thingy. <laughs> so, you know, in the context of a, a loving relationship, we have children, yeah? And uh, I understand that, you know, many, many people come to Global and, and you didn't start that way. Well, that's fine. There's no, no judgment call or anything. But what we have to do is we have to move towards the truth. What does the truth say? And then line our lives up with the truth. Yeah? When you've been a Christian 10 years, you'll realize you believed so many lies for years and stood on them as the absolute truth. So we're all at different degrees. You know what I'm saying? I didn't come into Christianity having it all together. No ringing, no thingy. Somebody once said to me at Bible college, the first woman you sleep with is you're actually married to her. That's the definition of marriage. That's Adam and Eve. So the first woman you're married to, you sleep with, is your wife. It's mad, isn't it? So nobody's, there's nobody coming behind, you know, this kind of a pulpit to try and preach uh, morals. That's not, that's not what we're about. We're preaching the gospel, which transforms our lives, and all of a sudden it informs our morals. But it does more than inform, because teachers can do that. It empowers us to change. That's what we need. We don't need more like, this is what you should do, this is what you need. We need the oomph to change our lives. And that's where the gospel comes in breaks the power of sin on your life and releases you into a great future. And the truth that comes alongside of it is like, now this is how you should live your life if you want it to be guilt-free. Not gluten-free, but guilt-free. Yeah? 
but one or two of us. Are you with me so far this morning? I'm just, you're all looking, man, you, you look like the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers of the New Testament. You're all like, hmm, I'll consider that. And I'm thinking, I hope I'm getting this right. Often, our upbringing has not tooled us up for building strong, loving relationships. And I've talked last week that we've had past relationships, some of us, that don't help. Shelley's a very confident woman, but she never slept around. I wonder if there's anything in that. I'm a confident person now, but when I met, her, met Shelley, I was full of insecurities, and I did sleep around. You might say he talks a lot about sex, but honestly, that's, that's what happens as a teenager. That's what they have to go through, that phase. And I'm saying, no, you don't. There is a way around it. There is a way through it. And, and you can get there. And we want to help you to get there. Why? Because sin scars. And when you get out this other side, you become strong as a person because you fought the fight of saying no to yourself. That's part of learning how to love. You fought that fight of saying no to yourself. You know, if you discipline yourself as a young woman or a young man, not to sleep with anybody till you get married, it's not the be all and end all, but I'm just saying, if you discipline yourself, and, you, you, and, and, and even when you're in a courtship, and it's an old-fashioned word, but even if you're courting and you're ready to get married, if you'll discipline yourself, then that means say no to yourself. Later on in your marriage, when temptation comes, guess what? You've already trained yourself to say no to yourself. You have more chance then of your marriage being successful. And I fight for this, and Shelley fights for this, because relationships, life is about relationships, really and truly. And we see so many broken relationships, and I want them all in global. Because I want them to come under the sound of the gospel, where there's no condemnation, but there's healing. And there's, there's correct thinking. Even though it challenges us at, at the beginning, you think, well, that's a bit extreme, that's a bit intense. But honestly, if you go with it, the fruit of righteousness, the Bible says, is peace. Right. I don't want peace, I'm too young. <laughs> no, you do. We all want peace, honestly. People love peace and harmony. Why did punk music never last? It's because it wasn't harmonious. Why is Elvis still going? I'll leave it with you. <laughs> so, learning to love unselfishly is not an easy task. It runs opposite to our self-centered nature. And that's why we've been given a lifetime to learn it. The characteristic of love is that it gives and it forgives. We talked about that last week. And uh, based on John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love gives. The proof of loving is giving. And then uh, you speak to dads, real dads. They're, they're, honestly, they will give and give. My son rang me up last week. He said, Dad, you, you couldn't just lend me. There's a funny word, in it? It's an invisible word. You couldn't just lend me 100 quid, Dad. He said, we're, we're, we're going to Ibiza. So there's a song. Anyway, he says, we're going to Ibiza for my mate Stag do. So him and, and my oldest son, uh, uh, you know, they were all going out there. And uh, most of them are Christians going out there. If you've ever been on a Christian stag do, they're funny. <laughs> and uh, so they've had a great time. So I sent him some money. And I can't give him 100 quid. I had to give him, because I'm a dad. I want him to see how great God is. I I'm meant to be a reflection of a generous heavenly father. So I sent him 101 pounds, <laughs> more than what he wanted. I were going to give him that 50 pence, and I thought, no, that'll not teach him anything. <laughs> so then, so the back from, from Ibiza, I'm going down to see him tonight, I can't wait. But 
But then he, I got a text this morning, sorry that I forgot to mention. Have you got any hiking boots? <laughs> he can't even spell hiking. He is so funny. Have you got any hiking boots? We're going hiking for three days. I think it's a team building thing. He works for Hillsong's Church. So they'll be going somewhere hiking for three days. Have you got any? I haven't got any. I've got some boots. So I'll take them down. And I found a cagoule. I know he's going to look at cagoule and go, what, what's that for? <laughs> take him some Kendall mint cake in case he gets lost. So, but God says in our learning to love, I'm just talking about a father's love because sometimes we can just focus on the woman. But I know in this church, there's some great dads. And we love, and we love till it hurts and even further. And that's how it should be. We're our, we're our sons and daughters' hero. And we should be. That's, that's important. And this world wants to take it off us. We're all equal, we're all equal. We're equal in value. And then, please, switch your brain on and see that we are wired differently um, and we, our purposes are different and they're complementary they're not competitive why am I going into the relationship between a man and a woman it's because that's what relationships ultimately come to uh, you know, for most people you know there's one or two people that are single actually there's thousands of people that are single my youngest son single is 23 he's a really handsome lad <laughs> Details are as follows. Can we have it up on the screen? No, He's a rock star. He's a rock god. <laughs> so God says, he says, you know, respect everyone and show special love for God's people. And I used to resent these scriptures because I'm thinking, oh, the church, the church, the church. The more I've understood church, the more I realize we are the people of God. We are the chosen people from God. And you say, well, that's a bit... That's a bit highbrow. Do we think we're better than anybody else? No. But we've responded to the call, so therefore we're chosen. Pick me. Pick me. God, I want eternal life. I choose you. And he takes hold of our lives and transforms us. We've asked to be chosen. Yeah? And he's chosen us. And so we can't not be the chosen people of God. Has he rejected everybody else? No, just the opposite. They're rejecting him. Here's my problem. The God that people out there are rejecting is not the God of the Bible. It's full of lies. If, you know, why did my dad die of cancer? Why did my see God? If God was a loving God, He wouldn't have allowed that to happen. And these are uninformed ways of questioning, and they don't always wait for the answer. And out there, we've got people that are walking around rejecting a God who I would reject because it's not the one. And that's why we've got to find out the God of the Bible. And so God is building. We can belong before we believe, but we need something to belong to. And that's why we're building church. Who wants to come to a church where everybody's selfish? Or where everybody's Pollyanna positive and always trying to be like Ace Ventura, you know, when he's got his, his, uh, his slinky going down the, you know, the, the thousands of steps, 3,001, 3,002, and then they interrupt him and he's... And then he tries to be all this kind of, it doesn't matter, nothing matters. What do you want? Let's do everything you want to do. And it's, that's how so many believers are. That is not Christianity, that's insipid do-gooders. They put out a false idea of God. When I challenge people, don't forget I've got properties. I have people <laughs> telling me stuff so often, and, I, and I'm like, no. Well, are you going to knock me around down? I, said, I don't, I don't you want to do sometimes but we are straight back we talk straight yeah. and it shocks me. Well, I thought you were a Christian I said I am. don't doubt that I am definitely a Christian but we speak the truth in love if you noticed 
I haven't called you anything, I haven't swore at you, and I haven't shouted at you. And sometimes I have to just point that out. I said, but I'm, I'm not moving on this. And so they know they've met with a force, and they need to. Why does God insist that we give special attention to other believers? It's because he wants love. He's self-sacrificing love to be the hallmark of his church. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we have to learn to love. I'm going to come on to that now. Um, We have eternity to enjoy being together. But first, we have some tough work to do here on earth to prepare ourselves for an eternity of loving. Somebody once said to me, but wouldn't it be boring in every, if everybody loved each other? And I know what they, I know what they mean, because they've got a wrong under, understanding of love. But if you think in heaven, we're going to be creating stuff. Even on earth. How many of you men would love to do a self-build? Or have somebody do it for you, but you're telling them what to do. That's a better position, really. Um, you know, so we're going to create stuff. Wouldn't it be great if everybody mucked in and got it all done? rather than you just struggling along. See, it just, it just helps. You know, when you're bringing babies into the world and, you know, you, you've had a week of, of sleepless nights, a month of sleepless nights, somebody says, you know what, I'll take them for the night. You know, that's a great idea. I think heaven's going to be an absolutely amazing place where it's going to be full of confident people, no insecurity, no regrets, no guilt, no doing things out of guilt just perfect people that is going to be absolute we can't imagine it because we can't see it anywhere on earth but it's going to be absolutely amazing and so we have to learn we get we get to taste it here i want to be around jesus just makes me laugh he had all his disciples were scholars reckon they were teenage lads and he takes them on a boat trip and honestly it's a death it's worse than you know do you ride the oblivion it's worse than that and so they're on this thing, and Jesus, Jesus, they wake him up. Don't you care that we're going to drown? And he goes, where's your faith? And, 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 you know, then he speaks to the wind and the waves, and it all calms down. And you can imagine the parents coming and meeting the boys at the seashore afterwards, thinking, there's no, uh, there's no safety rail here. Was the safe? Did, did they have vests on? Did they have vests on Jesus? It's like, no. I want to be around Jesus, don't you? He is wilder than what you and I think. And not just dangerous like that, because he was dangerously good. You know, there's loads of people, and they say, oh, disciples, I send them home because they're all starving now, Jesus. And he says, well, you feed them. I mean, how cool is that? That is unbelievable. Well, it's going to take eight months' wages. No, no, just you feed them. Oh, yeah, Pollyanna positive Jesus again. Never has a bad day. <laughs> He's like, I'll tell you what, five loaves, two fish. Watch this. Oh, oh. Thank you very much. Jar spoon, spoon jar. 5,000 people, 5,000 men plus women and children, 20 odd thousand people. Yeah? 20 odd thousand people with five burgers from McDonald's. That is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Do you want to hang around with We're going to, have to spend eternity with Jesus. We, do, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what he's like. When God said, let there be light, and there was light, that light is still continuing, scientists tell us. It's still continuing. That one word, goodness me. So I can't wait when I get to heaven. He goes, be rich. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So God wants us to learn how to love. But 
and learn how to build uh, strong bonds of friendship. But love cannot be learned in isolation. It can't be learned on the internet. You know, some believers say, we don't go to church now because there's not that many good churches. So we just go on the internet. Well, you can do that and that'll feed your mind, but it won't change you because we change in relationships. We need irritants. You know, sand is the irritant that makes the pearl, apparently. Oh, y'all, y'all look amazed like, wow, that's amazing, Dave, thanks for that. It's for free. You have to be around irritating, imperfect, and frustrating people. You do, in order to change. And we have, who's ever been hurt in relationship? Being hurt in relationship is like putting your hand in the fire. You pull back. And that's what happens in church, because we're used to pulling back. But after you've, you've come into the love of God and, and the love of God has come into you, you start to realize, I can't just pull back. I have to go and deal with it. And I can't just go dealing with it like that or like that. I've got to go with wisdom from God and, and honesty and truth and sort things out. And what was an obstacle becomes a bridge into a depth of relationship that this world doesn't always know a lot about. Sometimes it does, but not always. And the church doesn't know a lot about it. It has done in the past, but, but will, it, will it in the future? Well, it, that's up to us. A depth of relationship that when people let us down, when people offend us, when people don't come up to what we were expecting, when people say things about us that's just not right, how do we respond? And we've got to learn to love. And we want to teach how to love. Shelley and myself, we're not the font of our wisdom. So we want to learn how to love. There's, every day is a learning day if you'll allow it to be. So it's through fellowship we learn, we learn three important truths. So I've finished my introduction and now we're on to the main thing. Are we ready? <laughs> Number one, the best use of life is to love. Yeah. How strange is that? The best, thing, the best use of life is to love. Love should be our top priority, yeah. our primary objective. Love is not a good part of your life it's the most important part of your life and I have fought for my relationship with Shelley I've fought for my relationship with the boys because you have to fight but again it's not with them and it's not with an acid tongue but it's with being definite and using boundaries and using language that is is helpful not hurtful and that takes time because we are full of hurtful stuff if they start, who's ever worked it out in the end what you're going to say before you meet them they said that I am gonna. So, I am so gonna. Who's ever done that? And they never said the things that you thought they were gonna say. And they come with an apology, and you think, well, what a waste of a week. <laughs> that one thought, what a waste of a week. Text one to no one. I am that man, and and so I was that man. And I, I've I've learned over the years, and I'm still learning because I still get tripped up, because sometimes it's a bit sharper than than others. And you're like, speaking about love is uh, I have two reservations regarding teaching about love uh, because there's two ditches that we fall into as human beings. Number one is the ditch of sentimentality. When you, you're going a certain way and your partner wants to go another way or your group wants to go, and it's like, do you know what? Just, I love you so much. Just do it your way. Another one is we think it's love, but it, it's easy going for us. Well, whatever you want, how selfless am I? No, spineless sometimes. Why? Because we're living in sentimentality. And that's not that it's a slush love. It's a Valentine's Day love. 
Have you seen the size of <laughs> Have you seen the size of his card? <laughs> That's not in my notes. That must be from the Holy Spirit. I'm just bringing it. I'm shoot the messenger. So you know, it's like, that's how much I love you, and that's how big the chocolate love art is, and, and stuff like that. And then somebody else says, it's small, but it's like, smart. And so you've got, you've got that, kind, but that's not the kind of love I'm on about. That's that sentimental love. I will give you everything. I will die for you. I want you. I need you. But there ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. Don't be sad. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Two out of three isn't bad. Jesus said it's got to be three out of three. It's not sentimental gush. It's not. But here's the other one that's harder than that and harsher than that, and it's pragmatism. It's like, would you love me? I told you 40 years ago when I married you. I love you. I haven't changed my mind ever since. And it's, or it's a, pragma, a pragmatic love that just says... I'll do this for you, and I'll do that for you. And I'll, it's just like, can you stay still? Can we go out? Could we go to the cinema? Could we go for a drink? No, but I'll, I'll do this for you, and I'll do that for you. Why? Because you've got your idea of love putting it onto somebody else, yeah? And um, let me just have a look at a story. It's Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to the end. And it says, this is a really touching story, an illuminating story. Its sequel is even better but it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She's a pragmatist. She had a sister called Mary. She's what you'd call a fairy cake. <laughs> who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Can you see, even calling her a fairy cake, I display my prejudice. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be done. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Second time, this is what the world says about God. Don't you care? It's a real accusation. Don't you, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Can you imagine her polishing cyborg looking at Jesus to see if he's watching? Looking at that. Over, can you just lift your feet up, Jesus? There we go, there we go. Flipping waste of space you are. Right. And I, no, I'll peel carrots. You're, you're all right. I'll just put the over away, then I'll peel the carrot. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> I can tell one of my characters is Basil Faulty. Right, right, Mary, if you want to sit there, fine, fine, you sit there. I'll do the cooking. I'll do the cooking. I'll kill the chicken. <laughs> so, so she's on one. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister just sat there and all that lot? Tell her to help me. Who's ever had prayed them kind of prayers? Get them, God. Get them. <laughs> So she goes, tell her to help me. Jesus' response, you know the Bible says, speak, as we speak the truth in love, we grow up, mature. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And she'd, it's not often you get Jesus sat in your living room. So Mary's like, I'm stuck to you like glue. You've got the words of eternal life. Yeah, but the carrots need it. I don't care. Let's not eat today. Jesus is here. Yeah? So you've got someone that sat there listening to Jesus. And in a world that says we've got to achieve, we've got to achieve, that's a waste of time. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because you receive 
before you can give. And so many people give without receiving. They miss church. And you think, well, it's just church. And we have a low view of church. It's only church. No, no, no. It's everything. That's your source. That's what God has taught. I didn't invent church. He did. And he said, come together. And when you do, I'll be in the midst. Invisibly. He's here. And we're using his word. We're speaking his word. And his word strengthens us, nourishes us, enlarges our heart, enlarges our spirit. And so we've chosen the right thing. But pragmatists, it's like, well, I've been for three weeks on the run. What more do they want? And it's like, no, there's, it's not school. Nobody's taking a register. This isn't for us. This is for you. But it's also for what you bring to others. It's just, there's a dynamic that goes on. And when you're not there, that dynamic's missed. This is not, by the way, this is not a guilt trip to say, please come, please come, please come. That's up to you. We will lead by example. And then people take whatever they want. We disciple at your pace. There was a time when I didn't really rate church, if I'm honest. And I was preaching and all that kind of stuff. And then I had to, I had to understand more about what church was about. And it takes sometimes a revelation from God Almighty. And that's what, that's what Martha had to get. Because Martha was tough. She didn't care. She stopped the creator of the universe in his tracks and said, tell her. Dominating woman. I'm sure there's none of them here. But if there were... Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. He didn't have a go at her, but he explained Martha to Martha. That's a fantastic thing. Can you see the people skills here? He's 30 years old. I got Matt up the other week just to say how young Jesus was. And his wisdom was beyond anybody. Beyond anybody. But few things are needed. He's instructing her now, or indeed only one. And he just narrows it right down. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. And you know something? The, one of the most touching stories in John chapter 12, as Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, he met with his disciples and it says Lazarus was there and it just says this, Martha served. But something's gone on from this, this day when she was instructed by Jesus. Gently, rebuked and, you know, shown, not put in a place, but shown what the priority should be. It says later on in John chapter 12, Mary served, no complaining. And that really touches me because I think Martha, uh, not Mary, Martha served, sorry, Martha served. And I think Martha gets a bad rap because things do need to be done. But if we're not careful, we reduce love to pragmatism. I'm doing this. Can you see what I'm doing for you, Jesus? And it's what God wants to do for us. And it's out of the goodness that he puts into us that we can then live. That's how it's meant to be. So I'm not here today saying, you must love your wife, you must love your husband. That's just another command. We couldn't keep all the other commands because human nature blocks us. But it's our responsibility, with God's help, to receive from God so that we can overcome our human nature. That's why we get baptised. It's not so we can all be macho and go in sea and get our legs freezing cold. That's not what it's about. It's about the power of Satan and sin and sickness being broken on our bodies and our minds. That's amazing. Our past being washed away and dealt with. All the regrets gone. And it's a new start. So it's not just like a fad. It's a real practical way of receiving spiritual input from God Almighty. That's why baptism isn't an optional extra. It's part of the package of entering into the Repent, believe, be baptized and receive more things that we go through in initiation process.
process. Maybe some of you, you know, you need to get baptized because there's blockages that are holding you back. There are things from your past that are holding you back. There are hurts that stop you from loving. There's memories that stop you from building again. And they need to be dealt with. Honestly, I had so many bad memories and now I can hardly remember. They're still there. And if I really went fishing for them and, and, and asked a few of my me, me friends, what about this date and what about that date and all that kind of stuff, I, I, it, would, it would come back, I'm sure. But I haven't gone fishing. I've gone forgetting. Because God says he'll forget our past. So I've tried to forget my past. And it's effects on my life. And so I can build. But it took me a while. It took me a good few years of, of being married to Shelley for, to, to get some of that healing in. And to be fair, she's been very, very patient with me because when I first became a Christian, it was all about me. Well, I feel like this. And I was reading this the other day and she'd sit really, you know, well, that was great, Dave. And I think you, I think you're great. And it really encouraged me. I'm like, do you think, do you think so? She's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all about me. You don't change too much, but, but there's been some change and that's good. So need to be around irritating, imperfect, frustrating people. I'm sure you know some of them in global. And um, you know, we've got to learn to love. It doesn't come naturally. We have to learn to love. And if you've got that kind of a gift, my mum had that kind of gift. She could love anything that moved. She was amazing. Then that's a brilliant thing. But even that kind of gift needs to be shaped by God's word so that it doesn't fall into sentimentality or pragmatism there's a woman that was so pragmatic in the Bible she's called Dorcas that she ended up dying she'd served the disciples not just the disciples she served the church she'd done help the poor the Bible said and she'd given herself given herself and I can imagine a real pat on the back going on and she lived for that pat on the back maybe and then she dies and then Peter comes and he raises her from the dead and I bet he had a chat with her he had a chat with her to say, Dorcas, what are you doing? What motive are you moving from? Is it what people see and what can, you know, we can live for that pat on the back. But you know, when God's goodness has come into you, you know when to say yes, and you have to learn when to say no. There's only two types of people in church, them that always say no, and them that always say yes. And then both camps, the ditches, you have to learn to know when to say no. And, uh, and it's right sometimes to say no but then we have to learn to increase our capacity to say yes and to give ourselves from the team here at global church thank you for listening to this podcast please check out our other messages available on the website 